0: The renovations, everybody. Thanks for joining in on today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about a new book, which is going to be coming out this fall, Space to Breathe Again, Hope for the Overloaded and Overwhelmed. We're going to be talking about the process of writing a book, the story that's behind it. So I hope you'll find some good things to listen to and even learn from this episode. So Steve, let's dive right in.
1: Well, hey, Tommy, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, uh,
0: even in the midst of these crazy days we're in.
1: Yeah, It's, it's fun to be talking about your book because this process has gone on long before this crisis hit. It's still going on right now while we're in the middle of the crisis and probably the book launching at the end or hopefully after this has all passed. So it's an interesting process, I'm sure you'll never forget. Boy, it's been much more daunting. I think if I knew everything that was
0: involved, maybe I never would have embarked on the process to start with. Actually, I would have, but uh, it's it's been quite a intimidating, daunting, uh, overwhelming process, you know, in so many ways, but also actually very rewarding.
1: Yeah. What are some of the ways right now you're experiencing it as being rewarding?
0: Well, I... Definitely experiencing it as being rewarding that I have sent off the final manuscript to the company that's helping me put the finishing touches and doing the editing and design. So having it out of my hands and in more capable hands to help me with this part of the process, it feels like I've finished one of the major pieces of this process. So until you get it to that point, it's still just an idea that you hope you'll be able to do. So there's a lot of sense of reward of having persevered this far along.
1: Yeah, watching you go through the process has made me think many times how there's just very few things in life that you give this much thought to, especially so much thought to one specific idea or topic. And I think that just brings... People authors to a a whole different level of depth and insight around that topic
0: yeah it's it's definitely been the case for me it's It's reinforced actually so much of what the book is about, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that at the same time. I think what's made it particularly difficult is I've had to learn the skills of writing a book which goes with learning different software and and trying to figure out, well, okay, once you have a draft, what do you do from there? How do you make the next step? So there's been a learning process of writing a book along with the lessons of the book. So, so many different parts. And I don't know, for me, there's something rewarding about being post-60 and Still in such a place of learning and growing. I don't know. Maybe I, I thought when I was younger that I would have always already learned it all by this point. So it, it makes me feel alive that I'm doing something this big. So
1: yeah, that's exciting. It is, and I know I said this to you in writing, but this almost sounds like a weird phrase to use. But I'll just say it. I feel as a friend, just very proud of this accomplishment you've made because it's it does take so much commitment and perseverance and deep work and all the things that we talk about on this podcast. And uh, yeah, just very, wow. such a joy to watch, watch it unfolding.
0: You know how deeply I appreciate that. And you and just a small handful of others have been a huge source of encouragement and cheering me on in this process. And that's, that's a lot of the reason that it's gotten to the point that it has is because I've, I've had that type of encouragement on multiple fronts. And so, you know, you're, you're part of the story.
1: Well, speaking of story, I would love, I just think some of the listeners, especially people who have been with us from the start, would love to hear where this idea of space to breathe again came from. I know part of that story is in the book, so don't give too much away, (laughs) but maybe let's start there and give people a a bit of a a taste.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know. I hope to write more books after this, and I don't know that this will be the case for all the other books that theoretically I might write one day, but this, uh, this book is very personal. It comes out of a lot of pain and a lot of growth that goes back to the late 80s. So, you know, close to 30 years ago. Yes, more than 30 years ago. And it, it goes back to a process when I was in my early 30s and life got completely overwhelming. I was overloaded. All of the things that I now see are very typical of of so many people in our day and culture, but this was pre cell phones. It was pre, a lot of the things that are, are now such problems, but I went through a stage where life was really, really good. So many good things happening, but just too many good things happening. And I, I never thought that if you were doing good things, that it could be too much. And so I never saw this problem coming. But at the particular time, I was in early stages of career and owning companies and running companies. And at this particular stage, my brother and I had four different companies that we were running, two that were located in Virginia Beach and two that were located in Richmond. We were in the early stages of those companies and they were growing tiger by the tail types of ventures. Uh, at the same time, I was hugely involved in church uh, as an elder in church, teaching Sunday school. I think I was uh, co-heading a search committee for our church, doing so many things on that front. At the same time, we were beginning a family and having our, our daughter was born at this very stage. And so I was going to, through all of this, trying to make everybody happy, trying to do everything well, trying to be faithful, and finding myself completely out of breath, completely run down, completely overwhelmed, feeling like everything was caving in around me. One of the businesses in particular was having a difficult time. And so at that time, I thought, I don't understand this. I'm not doing anything wrong. And yet uh, life is imploding all around me. And I can remember specifically sitting one night in bed with our newborn parent in the other room. And for the first and maybe the only time in my life, feeling like I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And I, I even had this sense of, like the bed caving in around me and, and not, not sure whether I was going to actually survive this. Life wasn't working. And so that began what has been a 30-year journey of learning to breathe again. I was out of breath. It was kind of that panic attack feeling of not sure that you could catch your breath So I was introduced shortly after that, I don't even remember from where, uh, with a book called Margin by Richard Swenson. And it was the first time that anybody had ever introduced the idea that too much can be too much and that we have limits as human beings. I'd always been told you can do anything you set your mind to. That we have limits, and that if we don't learn to create space in our life and margins in our life, then we won't survive. And so that began a long process for me of beginning to simplify, beginning to declutter my schedule, declutter my emotions, declutter virtually every part of my life and create some space where I could actually take a deep breath, where I could experience joy again, where I, I could actually experience getting away from overload and overwhelm. I found, because I'm wired as a teacher, as I began to share some of these things with other people, that everybody had that sense of being overloaded, overwhelmed. That you ask anybody, how are you doing? The first thing they say is, I'm so busy. I'm so overloaded, everybody has that response, seemingly, and so I realized that this wasn't just my problem uh, of taking on too much. This was a cultural problem uh, it was even a cultural problem within the Christian Church, which you know encouraged people to live fully and abundantly and you know live out their mission and how how that was somehow getting turned on people and causing people to choke. So that process, which I thought was going to be easy once I figured out the problem, um, (laughs) began really about a decade, decade and a half long process of learning to breathe again, of creating some space in my life to experience some joy, to refresh, relationships that were being choked out by overload. And that was kind of the start of what I found was an absolutely critical topic for our culture and our world. So that was the start of Space to Breathe Again.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the length of time in that journey and in that story, because I think right now... A lot of personal growth, professional development types of books and topics, rightly so, come out of research. And I think right now there's, at least in my world, there's a bit of a craze around brain research and applied neuroscience and stuff that's really, really good and helpful. I think with that, some of the wisdom and humanness that comes out of people's experiences Is also really important. And so I appreciate the the fact that this book is coming out of years and years, even decades, of wrestling with this question, working on this topic in your own life, struggling with it, having successes, and everything in between.
0: Yeah, that I mean the hope um, for the book is that while it raises the problem that it offers a ton of practical Solutions, uh, and that it doesn't come across as clinical; that it comes across as kind of core and fundamental. And it became so much more fundamental. You know, those who have listened to some of our other podcasts know a little bit more about my story of uh, when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer in two thousand and ten ten years ago, and. I have no doubt in my mind that if Weezy and I had not learned and been going through the lessons of creating space to breathe, that we would have never survived that crisis. That it was the very fact that we did have space, that we'd learned how to be quiet, how to settle the noise that gave us kind of the tools to deal with maybe one of the worst things that a person could deal with and your child having cancer. And so I look at it as what enabled us to survive, you know, a very difficult place. So this is, uh, this is very important things. It, it, it's helped for the storms, but it's also helped to find joy and peace.
1: So when did you decide to write the book?
0: Uh, good question. You know, I, most of my life teaching has been just teaching in front of groups of, of people. So it's it's been all verbal. And it's only been in the last few years that that I thought about turning to try to write some of these things. So I think the first time the thought crossed my mind was probably seven years ago when I taught a class on this at, at the new church we were going to, Hope Church, and what had become so core to me, I realized all of a sudden afresh that everybody else was still struggling with this. And and so all of a sudden, it, it was fresh in my mind that, you know, this this would work as a book. <laughs> uh, it still just lingered there for a long time, but I think after after Perrin died three years ago and all of a sudden our space that had been consumed for so long with trying to take care of her, there was now some open space. I felt more of a sense of conviction that uh, particularly in our day and time that is so overwhelmed with the distraction of cell phones and with people trying to keep on adding and adding and finding it's not working, I felt like, you know, this, this has to be written.
1: I'm kind of curious what you can share about, you said there's a lot of practical steps and guides in the book. Is there anything you can share with us from the book? Any teasers or maybe even just sense of the outline of what's in there?
0: Yeah. So the the first part of the book, I mean, tell a little bit of the story that's behind it in the in the first part of the book. The first part of the book is actually just geared to making sure people understand the problem. You know that that people get that we are overloaded in in virtually every phase of our our life. It's not just one thing. It's financial overload, it's schedule overload, it's possession overload, it's emotional overload, it's informational overload. It it hits us from every angle to try to paint the breadth of the picture, because if we think it's a simple problem, we're going to get, you know, complete, we're just going to fail in our efforts. And also to realize that the problem at its core comes from within. Uh, Yes, the culture feeds the problem, but it's our own sense of wanting to prove our worth. It's our own issues that are exacerbating the whole thing. So the first part of the book kind of deals with Exposing the problem, hopefully in all of its gore. (laughs) Uh, Then from there, talking about that, you know, the only way to deal with overload is to begin first by cutting out the things that aren't working to create the space, not just to have emptier lives, but actually to fill it with good things. So it's, it's an emptying of the junk. To make space for what's good, which is actually behind the title of my podcast, Renovations, because that image of renovating, of tearing out, of pulling out all of the junk in our life so that we can have space to make something beautiful. So the idea isn't just to create a more comfortable, simpler life. It's to create a more beautiful life, a more spacious life. So then the second half of the book talks about why did we do all of this work to get rid of the bad stuff? What is the good stuff that we really want to fill our lives with? So we talk about, you know, finding joy in our lives. We talk about creating some some quiet in our lives, talking about creating space in the various places in our schedules, learning to manage our cell phones better learning to enjoy solitude. Uh, We talk a lot about practicing the Sabbath, which I think is just an extraordinary countercultural concept that is so life-giving and has been so life-giving in our lives. So different practices that are practices of joy, practices of peace, practices of intimacy, that I think is what we long for so much but we've lost it in the sense of clutter and
1: overload. I had the opportunity to read an early draft of the book, so I actually I haven't seen the final version. Um, but what surprised me in a in a really exciting way is I just I read the title and I knew a lot of the concepts behind this. and I think kind of sub subconsciously, I just assumed. It would be a very conceptual book about this concept and about the different ideas around it. And I was really pleasantly surprised, especially yeah, in that second half of the book, there were so many little practical tips and ideas and, like you said, practices. And it, it was less of a, here's the five-step formula, do it all in a row. And it was more, to me, it felt like a lot of things where I could kind of pick something and try it out. And I love that sense of it. Uh, hey, here's a bunch of different ideas that uh, have worked for me and others towards this greater end that you're talking about. And I can kind of just try some things that resonate with me or that sound like an idea I want to try. And that, that practicality and that ability to, like you said, take something that's a really complex and probably deeper issue than I realize and just try some things out and start to lean in, into it a bit is not only kind of fun to me, but I've already tried some of it. And it's been a really great results, I want to say, like, really, really cool stuff coming out of that. Because again, I'm not completely changing everything in my life overnight around this issue. But I'm starting to get more aware of it all because of trying little pieces from what you recommend. Well,
0: I really appreciate that. And and I think In some ways, you probably won't even recognize the book because of a lot of the suggestions you and others made that hopefully have improved it. But you know, one of the things you said to me after having read it that was such an encouragement to me was that you liked the second half of the book so much. And I'm just so aware that it's really easy to shine a light on a problem and to complain about our culture and just to be one of those that that beats the drum against cell phones and things like that. But I wanted to be one that offered hope, you know, that offered practical suggestions for how we can live a better life. And that that came through was such an encouragement to me.
1: Well, I guess we could talk for hours and hours and just, maybe you should just start reading the book. Let's just make this whole episode an audio book. Chapter one. (laughs) (laughs) No But for real, what what else would you want to say to people? Because we've got we've got some time here between this teaser and when we can actually read it.
0: <laughs> yeah, how um, would just encourage people to challenge the values that have kind of become so commonplace that more is always better, and that we have to keep on adding and that more possessions is better. Busier schedules is better. More money is better. You know, we we we're inundated with too much and we're inundated with quantity and have lost quality in our spiritual lives. That's the case. And so I think we've lost people and we've lost God in this overload. And so even just uh spending some time becoming more aware of this sense that we are so proud of being busy people and that there's something wrong and if if people could come into the beginning of the reading of this book with a sense that you know there's something wrong that would just be such such a head start
1: that's awesome well i think we'll stop there and um Obviously we'll share more with you all as we get closer to the book being available, but again, it'll be called space to breathe again and you can keep up with those updates on both of our podcasts. As we've mentioned, we've started two podcasts now. So the greenhouse podcast and renovations. So with that said, I think we'll talk to you all next time.